So do you guys think it damaged him or caused people to sympathize with him? I found a lot of Christians saying, it's about time a man stood up for his wife. This is a manly thing to do. And I'm thinking, okay, is a slap okay? What about a punch? So this is very interesting because in the same week, so here's this man defending his woman during the same week when the U.S. Supreme Court nominee can't even define what a woman is, (laughs) right? So you have the left here. Defending women, yet at the same time not knowing what a woman is. This is ridiculous. This morning, 5 a.m., I called my beloved, beautiful, gorgeous dot. Nah, a pumper nickel, I bet you. How did you know? Yeah, because we had a mess up and we had to start over. (laughs) I like how we just wreck your intro. Pumper nickel head. It wasn't bumper sticker? That's a bread, isn't it? Pumpernickel Pumpernickel? bread? I don't know. Who calls their daughter Pumpernickel? (laughs) Crazy Arab at 5 a.m. You know, it's crazy when I think about it uh, through the years, the things that I've called my kids. You guys have nicknames for your kids? Are you saving for their therapy? (laughs) (laughs) I probably should. Do you know your kids' middle names? Of course I know my kids' middle names. Isn't that like a silly question? I hit up Brad Snow and I said, what are your kids' middle names? And he had no idea. He knows them now. He memorized them. <laughs> Thanks to Mark Spence, I now know my children. For those listening names. in, Brad Snow is our everything guy, really. He does a lot of stuff for the ministry. Also known as K-pop dad. Guys, today we're going to talk about something that is uh, really reverberating around the world, and that was the big reverberating slap. Reverberating like a slap in the like face. Like a slap in the face. The, the big slap that slap. was heard around the world. Yeah, that was the title of Ray Comfort's videos, which by now will have hundreds of thousands of views. The slap heard around the world. Now, just to give you some background, I was sitting in my living room and my son Danny comes out and he says, Will Smith just slapped Chris Rock at the Academy Awards. And he played the video for me. And it was just a part of the slap. I go, oh, Danny, that's staged, you know, of course. It looks staged. It looks staged, yeah. And so I'm like, it's definitely staged, you know, whatever. But when I ended up watching the full length Thing with what Will Smith did when he sat down uh, and started cussing. I'm like, oh boy, this is not staged. There are some that still say, oh no, it was... Have you since changed your mind? What? About it being staged. No, it's definitely not staged. Because I have almost. Wait, you thought it, you think it's staged? I absolutely didn't at first, but now I'm of two minds. I'm double-minded, and I'll tell you why. Oscar viewership has been down. No one looks at Oscar anymore. <laughs> we couldn't care less about him, especially on the podcast. Now, viewership's been down. And just think, this is, I'm playing Angel's Advocate. Just think, the Oscar folks who are big time guys, go to Will Smith and say, look, our viewership's down. You're a great actor. If we could do something, how about you just get up and get insulted by Chris Rock. It won't be too bad an insult. Slap his face and sit down and turn around and cuss him out. You're a great actor and get up afterwards and just weep. And people feel sorry for you. This is a win-win. Billions of people are going to be talking about it for days, including the Living Waters podcast. That was the incentive. It was the Living Waters podcast that took him over the edge. But yeah, they just, they say to him, if you don't, you know, if you let this out, you're blacklisted for life. Here is, you're going to win the Oscar on top of this. So this is a big incentive for you to do it. Now, I'm, the reason I'm like this is because I've become so skeptical of human nature. The heart is deceivably wicked. So I've just got to have two options open. I don't want to be naive both ways. He's a great actor. And, and look, by the time that well, we're going to talk about the <laughs> details of the whole thing, we're going to talk about the details of this thing. But by the time this has aired, I don't know exactly where things will have landed. I wish we could have released this the, the day of, right? But anyhow, this is, I, this is going to go on for a while. But 
You know, Ray, I don't know because there's so many negative connotations connected with it. I mean, at first I thought, yeah. And then I watched someone who said, well, maybe from Will Smith's end it was planned, not from Chris Rock. And they said that Will Smith's publicist was there and was whispering in his ear beforehand, all that. I don't know. Now that I see it all in the fallout, I can't, I don't think it's staged. What do you guys think? I don't think it is because... He originally laughed. Will Smith laughed. I saw that. What say they planned to do that? They sat down and says, because these are brilliant scriptwriters, screenwriters, etc. They said, we want this to look authentic. Beforehand, you do a little whisper. You look embarrassed, and then I want you to, when you get back, get really angry. You're really good at this, and then throw out the F-bomb. And uh, they do it in movies all the time. Yeah, that's true. But do you think the purpose of it, Ray, because think of it, it it wasn't done before the Oscar, so it's not going to help their ratings for this Oscar. But it's huge for the Oscar. It's huge for movies. Who's not talking about Will Smith and the Oscars and who's not going to watch next year? I mean, I'm going to be tuning in next year. <laughs> for the shin kicker around What's the world? What's going to happen next year? <laughs> I just I think, think Jim Carrey would not have laughed originally. And then changed his tune. Jim Carrey? Jim Carrey. What, what's his name? Oh, I have Jim Carrey in my mind because Jim Carrey said that he was going to, he would have sued him. So he originally, Will Smith, he laughed. And I think that originally he would have just acted offended. From the get go, I think he would have acted offended and then would have went forward. I think, in, generally speaking, to some of your points, I understand that you want to be careful and not just assume cultural narratives. On the other hand, I think the nature of truth. And the way that God wants us to pursue it compels us to take the evidence at hand and not spin into conspiracy theories that are unprovable. And so I think really? the safest way to approach it is to assume that it was not staged based off of what our eyes and ears tell us about what we saw and experienced that moment. And the fallout, to your point, I can't remember which one of you said it, the slap is what everyone's talking about. Not who won the awards, not best actor. I don't even know who those people are, actually, you know, other than Will Smith, because he won 10 minutes later. I think that it's safe to talk about it as though it was not staged. And it Let's really talk happened. about it again on Judgment Day. You know what? This is one of the biggest things that convinces me it wasn't staged. It was Chris Rock's reaction, his like kind of being thrown off. And I think that. He's not a good actor like Will Smith. That's but not what's saying. He was in on it, and they just said, "Don't come with a good comeback. If you come with a good comeback, everyone's going to know it was staged. Come back with embarrassment. Wait for a second. Let, the, let, let it be a, an eternity before you come back with something that's not very powerful, which yeah. is what he did. It would be horrible. And seriously, I'm both ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am. I'm, I'm not. No, saying, it's it's good to to, to talk through. I'm it, not building a church on this first national seems church like of the fake slap. If he would have slapped not Chris Rock but The Rock, yeah. Dwayne The Rock Johnson, the Rock. there would have. Been a different response. You know, I, that's exactly what I thought of. I'm like, what if it was The Rock Johnson? You know, um, what would would he have gone up and done that? Because that's one of the things some people are talking about. They're saying, look, it puts Will Smith in a bad light because he's slapping a guy who's like four inches shorter than him and, and probably 60 pounds lighter than him. But would he have done it to a, a, a bigger man? Did you see the video in 1991 of Will Smith on the Arsenio Hall show making fun of a bald band player of Arsenio Hall's? And then people got upset. He's all, what? It's just a joke. It's just a joke. Same exact scenario Has that, been, that happened. Yeah, it's circulating. I also don't think that it's, well, it's very possible Chris Rock had no idea that she has alopecia. Oh, oh I yeah. think she did. I think he did. Really? It's pretty well known. Well, but you've got to be especially in the you've got to be industry. watching, though. I mean, she does. It was on her red table thing or whatever. But, but if you look at the way that 
comics are just have no care in the world. Their job is to push the line and offend people, both religiously and even in health, in regards to health. I think like what he did was not any more, what he said was offensive, but it wasn't the most offensive thing said at the Oscars. I mean, Ricky Gervais said some atrocious things at the Oscars. So there's a, just a lack of respect and honor. I think Chris Rock knew and said it anyway. But something I want to point out is because you mentioned The Rock, like what happened, Will Smith wouldn't have done that to The Rock. I think another thing to point out is this thing happened, an act of violence. Like Will Smith got up, assuming that it's true, and assaulted somebody on live television in front of millions of viewers and thousands of people on stage in front of everybody. And then he just sits back down and they all kind of in shock, but no one wants to respond because if you think about it, because Will Smith is like the poster boy, golden child of Hollywood. He is almost untouchable to the point where everybody just watched and was a passerby like uh, the Good Samaritan, right? They all just passed by and watched this thing happen and did nothing about it. And so there's a few ways of looking at that. What compels us to defend our cultural heroes, which is something that I think all of us have a nature of doing, but it also replaced Will Smith with somebody like Mel Gibson. If Mel Gibson walked up, who's a known outspoken conservative, and smacked Chris Rock in the face, do you think he would have been able to sit down in his seat? No way. He would have been escorted out that building and arrested immediately. There would have been no questions about it. But because Will Smith is an icon to Hollywood, everyone was hesitant to do the right thing. So do you guys think it damaged him or caused people to sympathize with him? I found a lot of Christians saying, it's about time a man stand up, stood up for his wife. This is a manly thing to do. Yeah. And I'm thinking, okay, is a slap okay? Can I, what about a punch? So this is very interesting because in the same week, so here's this man defending his woman during the same week when the U.S. Supreme Court nominee can't even define what a woman is, right? So you have the left here defending women, yet at the same time not knowing what a woman is. This is ridiculous. Hey, listener. Have you ever imagined yourself having a box of goodies for you to give away to every friend, loved one, non-believer that crosses your path? Well, now you can get one. That's because Living Waters is giving away 10 free boxes of goodies every single week. That's eight in the USA and two overseas. And this is being made possible by a faithful partner of ours that has given us funds to make these resources available to you for free. Each of these boxes has a hundred dollars. That's right, $100 worth of tracks, books, and even your very own podcast mug. Go to livingwaters.com forward slash podcast, fill out the form, and then listen to the end of the episodes where we will be announcing our winners. Livingwaters.com forward slash podcast. Good luck. Yeah, you know, Ray, in answer to your question, I just, you know, in preparing for the program, I've been looking at a lot of different sources. And I've been amazed at how split people seem to be, but it does seem like the overwhelming majority are beginning to turn against Will Smith for doing that. Because, you know, you have to think of of the whole context of things. And the slap was almost worse than a punch. 
Because a man slapping a man is, is a real... Well, in France, it means something different. It's a challenge to a duel. If you take your glove and slap a man's face, oh, yeah. you're going to have a sword fight. But no, but it's, it's an insult. It's kind of like, you know, you're demeaning him as a man. So there's that. Now, the other thing that people are saying too, and we're going somewhere with this, friends. We're going to talk about self-control on this program, so stick with us. But one of the things that people are saying too is... You know, well, first of all, Jada had on TikTok just before the awards, she talked about her her head. She says, I don't give blank what people think of this bald head of mine because guess what? I love it. So a lot of people are looking at that and saying, wait a minute, you know, you're you're talking about you're fine with it, you're great with it. Of course, human emotions well up or whatever in the moment. But there are people saying, Okay, there's also will right? Because you saw it. He laughed and he even clapped his hand once, at least I saw when when he made the joke. But 10 seconds later, he's up on the stage. That was weird. I mean, and so what I'm thinking is he looked over at his wife, he saw she was upset. I think one of two things, they tend to edit in a way that it will make like, make it look like he's laughing at it, at that joke, but But it it might've been laughing. Could it, well, delayed live. They do that kind of thing all the time. So one of two things, either the laugh that we saw was actually at a different joke or to your point, and I think what might have happened is he laughed and then, like you said, saw that it offended his yeah. wife. And then he was probably experiencing some guilt himself that he had just laughed at the same joke that now he's realizing offended his wife. So there's probably a lot going on in yeah. a man's heart yeah, in that moment. Some people are saying, too, that I think, you know, it, it's important to at least think about. You guys know the, the big thing about Will and Jada Smith is this whole open marriage thing. Mm-hmm where she was with another man. I don't know what's been said about him and other women or not, but at so least... With a, it's adultery, we're talking Yeah, committing adultery with another guy. And they've talked about it openly and how they have an open marriage and they're okay with it. And so there's this perspective of, man, you're not doing anything about your wife sleeping with other men, but you're getting upset because a comedian made a joke. So there's a lot there, but Mark... I didn't call his wife a camel. I, I, the, yeah, the moral bankruptcy. <laughs> but Mark, uh, you were about to mention, uh, I mean, you, you brought up Jim Carrey, but do you want to talk about yeah, what he had I, said? Yeah, I don't know if I remember all the scenario around it. I just remember him saying something to the effect of, if that was him, he would have sued him for $200 million, uh, basically because it's out there forever. So he's embarrassed forever. Those of you that don't know, friends, Ray's committed to always say... Amen. When someone says forever, that's because I prayed. I mean, for the Lord's prayer as a kid for ten years every night, and I'm just still in the habit, yeah. not in the habit of. Yeah, no. You know what I heard uh, Jim Carrey say was that he called Hollywood spineless. He said Hollywood has become spineless. No one did anything. He says we're no longer the cool kid club. After this, he's like, where was anyone? He said, they stood up and gave this man who got up and assaulted someone with battery. They gave him a, a standing ovation after he received the award. And it's like, boy, I mean, that's a good point. Like, where is the outrage? Like, what are you doing? You just went up and slapped a guy on a stage in front of probably a billion people around the world. So we're not going to see Jim Carrey in any movies in the near future, are we? So we'll see what happens. But, you know, again, we don't know where things will be by the time this podcast airs, but the Academy is talking about, you know, some form of discipline. One member had said, we need to, there needs to be discipline in this regard. Some have said, well, they take the Oscar back. The first response from the Oscars, though, was so vague and, and weak. Oh, and they said we don't condone violence? The, the, yeah, the first response was two sentences, not even naming Will Smith. It was, we don't condone violence. 
we celebrate all of the winners today or something of that nature. It was so weak. And it wasn't until the next day when they saw the backlash from the media, from the masses, that they then started to come down a little bit harder on them. But I want to address, sorry, go ahead, Ray. No, no, I want to hear what you're addressing us about. Well, I addressed myself this morning. And now I want to address your comment about, because you made a really good point earlier, which is we want to recognize that a husband defended his, the honor of his wife which is rare and unusual in our culture today. And there is something about that that is good, but I think what the way in which he did it was wrong. And so all throughout human history, you know, the, the verse that comes to mind is turn your other cheek. And that verse is often misunderstood as a sort of pacifism, as though we're allowed to be abused. But actually that verse was spoken into a culture where escalation was the answer. And that's what we saw on stage. Chris Rock used words. Will Smith used a hand. And we've seen this throughout human history. When someone brings a hand, another person brings a knife and then a gun. And then the kings bring, yeah, the the last argument of kings is with Calvary. And so the point is, is that we want to escalate, but only in the gospel And through the gospels, do we truly find a way to defend our wives? What Will Smith should have done would have been used his acceptance speech to honor his wife, to defend his wife with words, to talk about how it's not right to make fun of someone's condition, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That would have been a good way to honor his wife. So what would happen if Chris Rock pressed charges, which he can legally do? Yeah, he can. I honestly believe Chris Rock could get tens of millions of dollars from Will Smith for that. Because it, the point was well made. This, this is going to damage his reputation. This was done in front of the whole world. This was an assault. I mean, I think he could. I wouldn't be surprised if he still chooses to. Maybe he won't. He said he won't. He already said he well, won't. He said, no, charges. he said he's not pressing charges. Yes. He could still, he has two years to still press charges. And his and, lawyers could press charges. Well, you know, charges. his lawyers are knocking <laughs> on that door saying, come on. But wouldn't know. this divide the nation even further? Yeah, well, it depends. Some will say, no, you're doing it on principle. He needs to learn a lesson. This can't be done again, you know, and it's hurt your reputation, might hurt your career. I don't know. Can you imagine standing in or sitting inside the concert, comedy concert where he's going to perform next? I mean, his tickets went from $40 to $400, Chris Rock. I think they're at 800 now because they keep increasing. He has to have a, a team of people that are coming along and saying, okay, well, let's capitalize off this. Yeah, well, what he, are we he needs say? to get in a slapstick. So, okay, let me ask you guys this. I'm extremely protective. I'm very protective of my, my wife, my family. I've always been that way by nature. I know in the world, I would have done a lot more than Will Smith did if I truly felt he was sliding my wife, right? But you've got to add here that you weren't the nice guy you are now. Yeah, you I was a gangster. Violent. I was you would a tow track experience. experience. In fact, before I got saved, when I would envision my future, I always envisioned myself extremely wealthy, had a beautiful wife, family, and I envisioned in the mansion that I would build an underground padded room, like a basement. But anytime I was angry, I would go down there and, you know, with, there'd be punching bags. And I would just go crazy and let out all my rage and I'd go up and just be calm. And... I used to do that as a kid. I'd go into our garage and there was a sack of potatoes and I'd throw them at the wall. I'm not kidding. Throw the potatoes? When I got the... angry, it was just some memory I've got. I used no to get thought of my... destroying your mom's potatoes. No, huh? we had a whole sack of yeah, them. Never think fine. of consequences. <laughs> <laughs> I would have done Easy. A, a lot worse. I was mashing potatoes for my mom. Oh, helping out. The thoughtful Ray. But guys, what would you have done in the world? If back in your unsaved state, could you have seen yourself reacting the way Will Smith reacted? I would have gone up and punched him in the knee. Man, I don't need to wonder because I've been there. I was taught 
by a stepdad. I think his words were something the effect of the first person that throws the punch is more often the one that wins the fight. And uh, there's probably some truth to that. And that's the way I acted. And then when we moved into a new neighborhood, I remember he pulled me aside and said, we're in a new neighborhood and people out here are all talk. So be cautious on who you fight. Like nobody wanted to fight in the neighborhood. Basically, I grew up with a stepdad that was a brawler and that taught me to think that way. And uh, my mind has been renewed. But the the point is, that's what I wanted to say earlier. I think that if we look out into the world and we try to understand justice and defending our family, then yeah, we need to escalate into violence. That's the natural reaction of the human heart is to escalate into violence. What I wanted to say earlier is that through the gospel, it provides us an opportunity to not do that, to instead offer grace and forgiveness while we defend in a way that is just and good. And I think that that only makes sense when you look at the cross because, and this is the funny thing, everyone fights against the idea that God is just, but ultimately we actually want a just God. Because what Will Smith could have done is he looked to the gospel. He could have said, you know what? Either one day Chris Rock will pay for all the things that he has said and done, or Jesus will pay on his behalf. And so therefore, I don't have to seek justice with my own hands. And and again, it's important to clarify, we're not talking about someone physically attacking our wives or our children, or at which time we need to stop evil and, and intervene. And even if someone says something, there's times, of course, we need to stand up, And but it's how it's handled, how it's done. But let me ask you guys on the other end, Chris Rock, that would have been even harder for me if a man came up and slapped me to not have done something because Chris Rock could have gone at him. He could have tackled him. He could, even though he's a little guy, but you were slapped and you didn't do anything about it. That's I right. Film. You remember that? That was a miracle moment. You remember that, Ray? Oh, how could I ever forget it? It's a highlight and, of my life. To this day, it's a testimony of the regenerating work that God had done in my life. Because I think we should put that to the test, Mark, slap him. But no, I mean, really, when that happened in New Zealand, and we may have mentioned it before in the program, but uh, we were open air preaching and this guy named, uh, he used to be called Bill the Buddhist back in the day when he put your sweater over your head and carried Carried you off. to the police station. But he was Billy by this time when I was there and he was was transsexual, I don't know what it was back in that time, but he was, you know, looking like a woman and stuff. No, he didn't. Well, I mean, you know, he was try- <laughs> trying to look like a woman, like a dog trying to look like a cat. It never really works. Yeah. I was saying to him uh, something to him, and he got offended, and he came up to me and said, listen, yank. And uh, first thing he did was he put his hand around my throat, and I, you know. I and what did you say when he did that? Pushed his hand. That's how people recognize me now in public. And then he slapped me. You know, I think he slapped me twice. And I just said, I love you, Billy. And I continue to just lovingly, you know, speak to him. But to this day, I'm in utter shock because again, I, I have reflexes from, from being in the world and being a gangster and fighting, you know, different times throughout my life. It just like, it was God's grace in that moment. It's just so difficult. There's about 20 yards from me that my wife got insulted when I was open air preaching years ago. Some guy, it was a big crowd, and uh, he yelled out to me, where is your wife? Probably having it off with a guy next door. And I said, no, she's right behind you. <laughs> and she was. And he, he got embarrassed and just sunk back to the crowd. So yeah. I didn't slap his face or anything. It's one of those things where we have to look and ask ourselves, what would we do in those situations? Would we honor the Lord? Would we do what's right? Because the flesh is always there. It's, it's ready to, to rear its ugly head up and, and, and overtake you. You know, I mean, it happened. Mark and I have this joke, in fact, I'm going to uh, kind of, 
out myself today, but we have this joke and we call it tow truck driver. Years ago, when Mark and I were in ministry together, we had this men's school of ministry where we were training up men for the ministry and someone's car had stalled in the driveway or something. It was one of those like really like deep driveways and it was just weird. It had a dip and it goes low. So anyway, the tow truck driver comes and he walks up and I go, hey, how you doing? And the first words out of his mouth were, were, I'm not moving that thing. And the old man just reared up and I go, is there a problem? And I just like, the flesh just rose up and I just, that overtook me. So, you know, I, I tried to smooth it over after that, but Mark and I always refer to that as tow truck driver. And when there's a heated situation, we go, oh man, don't do a tow truck driver on this guy. You know, this was like 20 years ago or so. Yeah. But so, that's easily understood. I mean, I feel the ugly Adamic nature come up sometimes when I'm driving the freeway if a guy cuts me off. Yeah. You just he was feel, apologetic too, though. The guy was? Yeah. Well, afterward, he ended up being. Yeah. He but, goes, I'm sorry. I, you know. Yeah. The Lord has sanctified me through basketball in the same way. Because I used to get, you know, if somebody would start talking smack, I would I would jump right into that and talk smack back, and uh, without using cuss words or whatever, but definitely with full of pride. And uh, just the other day, someone grabbed a rebound, and I went to try to steal the ball, and he got frustrated and threw his elbow at me, and I didn't flinch. I didn't flinch. Everyone was like, oh, you didn't flinch. I didn't flinch because I didn't realize what he was doing, to be honest with you. I wasn't being brave. Did he hit you with the elbow? He didn't. It got really close, though. But I I think in the past, I probably would have rose to the occasion in a very worldly way. In that moment, I was like, hey, man, I'm just going for the ball, bro. Like, we're good. We're fine. Like, I wanted to calm him down. We're all, you know, we all, I like to say like, we all got to go to work tomorrow. <laughs> we're playing pickup basketball here. It just, for me, one of my biggest struggles is rude people. Like, especially people you say hi to. Whatever and they don't So anyways. <laughs> people you say hi to and don't respond, you know, or just you go to a doctor's office or you go to the DMV. Oh, in the DMV, I have repeatedly gone in. I hit record on my phone as I go up to talk to them because I want to chronicle the rudeness, you know, in there to just play it back for my wife and kids later, you know. But I don't know what it is. There's something in me. That's my weakness. Some of the DME just quit because a snail followed them around all day. Remember the sloth? Yes, that's what I was thinking of. Just the other day, uh, Miguel and I were in Nashville, Tennessee, handing out gospel tracts. And there were so many people that wouldn't even acknowledge us as we went to go hand it to them. They wouldn't even look it's at like us. like a dick. Yeah. Yes. And it was, it for a moment, it, it almost started to get to me. I was like being personally offended. Like you're treating me like dirt. But at the same time, I tried to remind myself, this is it's no different than the way I've treated Christ at times. Right. And so I was able to graciously move on and hand the next person a track. someone for not taking the track. Why <laughs> <laughs> Take it. <laughs> Learn about the love of Christ. Yeah. <laughs> so, guys, I'd really like to talk about... I wonder how much slapping's going to go on after this whole thing. There's going to be a revival of people slapping each other. <laughs> a duel's coming back next. <laughs> I was going to say, isn't it crazy how social media has changed the world? Like, back in the day, if this happened, I mean, the most that would happen is people would call each other before social media, before cell phones, even the text, you just call it. Did you see what happened? And then it would just eventually they'll talk about it in the news a little bit and then it's gone. It's going to live on for weeks and maybe months now and eventually on and on forever because it's... I'm just imagining a telegram like, did you hear about Will Smith slap in the face? (laughs) You know, Paul Washer says the only reason why there's not more Adolf Hitlers out there is because of God's restraining hand, right? God's grace. Why are people not being slapped more and more? Right? It's just, that's God's grace because self-control is part of the fruit of the spirit, 
right? We, we can't forget about that. And Proverbs 14, 29, it says, he who is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who is quick tempered has folly, you know, recklessness, foolishness, haste, wildness, you know, is the word. And that's exactly what we saw with Will Smith. I think that we slap people all the time with our words, right? You often say that, you know, I, I'd never slap you with my hand, you know, to get your attention. You know, I don't want to offend you in that way, but I'll slap you with words in order to try to wake you up. And sometimes a slap is necessary uh, in order to get people's attention. Is that the end of it? The further to what you're saying, Mark, could you imagine, I mean, the reason we don't have violence, uh, a revival of violence exploding is because of the restraint of law. Could you imagine if criminal law was removed from America and any man could rape any woman, you could shoot anyone on the freeway that upset you and there'd be no repercussion. Then you'd see the wicked heart of man. Yeah, and we talked about self-control when we did the podcast on the fruit of the spirit. We touched on it lightly. And Mark, you referenced the fact that, yeah, I mean, Galatians 5 makes it clear that the last kind of capstone description of the fruit of the spirit is self-control. Uh, being able to guide your own vessel, if you would, into doing what you know should be done rather than what you feel like doing, not being a captive and a slave to your emotions. Because that's typically what it is, right? It's the heat of the moment emotions that flare up and you just, you basically yield to them, you obey them. They're really blinding though, aren't they? I mean, Ray, you've always said this, don't make a big decision when you're feeling emotional because you're going to make it on the basis of what you feel in the moment, whether it's and now we don't have the, f- the buffers anymore, right? Because before you needed a buffer to even making a phone call and maybe they're not home. But now people just air everything on social media within seconds. It could just be, and I've seen people do that. Family problems, husbands talking about their wives, wives, their children, children, their parents. It's like, what? Mm-hmm. And it just, it brings destruction. But self-control, that ability to do what you know is right despite what you feel. It's good to count to 10,000. If something's upsetting you before you make a decision. Someone once said, to gain self-control, give God control, right? We must carefully discipline ourselves in in how we walk, right? We are to walk circumspectly. We are not to walk as the world walks, not to behave and to respond. Jonathan Edwards said something to the effect of when people act out in a heated or an enraged way— They act as if some strange thing has happened to them, right? So that's why Will Smith responded the way he did, as if something strange happened to him. When in reality, we deserve nothing but ridicule, nothing but disgrace, you know, especially we as Christians, right? And I think that Will Smith even claims to have some sort of uh, semblance of religiosity that has a Christian reflection to it. We as Christians, we're not surprised when some reckless thing happens our way, when somebody says something careless our way, when somebody yells at us, cusses at us, we count it not a strange thing. So as this happens to us more and more, we're not surprised and we can respond in love. And that's when the world is really watching. How are you going to respond when this just took place? And we should respond in the spirit. So the the conclusion that the four of us are coming to is that if we're out at a restaurant, someone comes up to us and horribly insults your wife. I mean, I can't even think of, you know what I mean, just saying terrible things sexually about her. Our response is just to walk away. I think you can engage in a conversation to some degree. It depends on the the, the level of the environment. The, the size of the guy would matter the most. The size of the guy. <laughs> Let me tell you, there there are moments in life that I look back on and that I regret. I'll tell you one of them. That this oh boy, I look back on this. I say, man, this would have been so beautiful. One time, there was a knock on my door, 
and I walk outside and I see sitting on my front lawn about 40 teenagers, quiet, staring at me. And I didn't know what was going on. I'm waiting for someone to come from around the corner. I, I, they're ambushing us. They're going to do something. You know, I just didn't, I didn't know. And so I just was like, what are you guys doing? You know, like, I can't remember everything that I said. Um, maybe some of the fact like I'm about to turn on my sprinklers or something. But I look back on that and I just wish I didn't skip a beat. And I would have said something like, well, thank you for joining us today. Please turn in your Bibles too. And then just preach the gospel to them. You know, they were, it was just kind of like probably some kind of prank, you know, where they do dares or the, I don't know, sometimes they play these games where they're. Oh, that'd be what an opportunity for the gospel. I know, I could kick myself. Everybody remain seated for 10 minutes. Ushers, please come by, pass the offering plate, please. They were just sitting on your lawn. Just sitting and not saying a word. Just, I didn't know someone was going to, like I said, come around the corner or whatever. Turn in your hymnals too. You know, I could have said so many things, made it funny, and then preached the gospel to them, you know. Ray, I'm just tying this in with what you asked. You're like, what do we do? My hope would be that I could turn that into a gospel opportunity. You know, if he touched my wife, I would turn it into a whole different type of opportunity for sure for him. But if he's using words, I mean, I would probably say something in her defense. I would, I, I would be provoked to. I would probably do it without even thinking, but then I would try to turn it into a gospel opportunity. I want to go back earlier to talk again about self-control because it's not just about self-control, it's about what motivates your self-control. And the reason why I bring that up is because if you look at Sam Harris as an example, pretty popular pop culture atheist, he would argue that that Christians aren't any better at being good people than non-Christians. And to some degree, he's kind of right. Let me explain. There are people who are not Christians that can express self-control because, and this is what Sam Harris would say, they take on social cues and they understand how to advance socially. So the reason why people don't walk around slapping strangers or raping and pillaging isn't because they're inherently good. Sam Harris would say it's because they know that in order to advance in their social environment, they have to behave. In other words, that form of self-control is self-ambition. And the problem with that form of self-control is what happens when you get to the top? Because we see this all the time with leaders like Harvey Weinstein and others who abuse uh, both sexually and they abuse their power because now they don't have the restraints of society around them because they are in fact on top. Or the next question would be, what happens when society somehow tells you that in order to advance, being abusive is okay, which we've seen that, right? So the only form of self-control that brings glory to God is exactly that, the self-control that has the desire to conform us more into the image of God. When that is our reason for self-control, then we are held accountable not by our social self-ambition or what society tells us is right and wrong, but we're held accountable to a glorious and good God and we continue to allow him to conform us into the image of him. That needs to be our motivation for self-control or else all other forms will fail us. I just share an experience where a, a woman came up to me once and slapped my face. I think she did it twice and a guy came up afterwards and wanted to yield his life to Christ because he said, I've seen a Christian turn the other cheek. It was wow. very moving. Yeah. I'd have her come back and do it again <laughs> for more people to come to Christ. Repeat it. I think that the real key in it all is asking ourselves, Lord, how is this going to glorify you? You know, how am I going to magnify you? Thinking about eternal matters, being eternally minded, thinking of that person's soul. 
and wisdom too. You know, like there's times where I'll see a scenario, a guy and a girl having an argument, and, and I think, what would I do if this guy like started to get physical with the, with this girl? You know, and my immediate impulse would be to go up and and punch him. You know, and just physically, you know, stop him. But I try to think through it. Is there a wiser way? Because if I do that, you know, that's going to provoke things more. Unless, of course, he's being violent to a degree where it had to be stopped. But if I can come up and reason with him, hey, man, you don't want to do this. You know, you're going to get yourself in trouble. Again, it's using wisdom to maximize effectiveness. Even nowadays, that's kind of difficult because the both of them can turn on you. You end up getting shot. And I I like that verse. I like that verse. I like all verses. But in Proverbs, it says, uh, if you interfere in another person's argument, like a man who grabs an angry dog by both of its ears, you're going to get bitten. So yeah, you're you just got to take each one on its own Yeah, you got to be wise. But this is where love... Love also triumphs. And I say, well, he may punch me, he may shoot me, but I got this guy's beating this woman. I'm going to stop that. You know, I'm going to do what it for sure. What about if the woman was beating a man? I'd help her. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's using that wisdom. And, and here's the thing for us as believers that demonstrates to us that we never have an excuse for not using self-control. And it's a well-known one, but I think often we miss the significance of it. First Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. That works except with chocolate. <laughs> right, that's the only thing. But you know what I'm saying? Like, we know that... God has told us that any temptation we face, he gives us what we need to be able to take the way of escape. And that that plays into the fruit of the spirit, which is self-control. We have it. The question is, is will we tap into it and, and access it? And then, you know, we've cited some of the Proverbs, Proverbs 25, 8, whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. Proverbs 29, 11, a fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. And that's so contrary to today's uh, culture, you know, it's like, if you feel it, do it or else you're not authentic. That's ridiculous. You think about it. Isn't this what discipline does for our children? You know, we're, we're growing up in a generation where children are not disciplined for acting on their wrong emotions. In fact, today in, in popular like child rearing psychology, they have this thing they call big emotions. And it's just this whole gobbledygook stuff of letting kids act out what they feel and, you know, you'd be tender with them as they do it and you let them get away with it. And it's just ridiculous. And so you don't teach a kid to not vent everything he feels and does whatever he's feeling inside of him. It's going to destroy his life. That comes from acknowledging the, the sinful nature is in the heart of a child. Yeah. And it's catering. It, it's these extremes. Like if you discipline your child, you're going wrong and you're harsh. And you're, no, there's a way to say, hey, I understand what you're feeling. I know these are the feelings going on inside you. But what does God's word say about these feelings? And there are people that will say any feeling is fine that a kid has. So a feeling of envy and of, and of uh, you know, unrighteous anger and of you can go on and on with. Yeah, exactly. With feelings. No, you teach them. How do these feelings line up with God's word? And you teach them to do the right thing. There's actually a recent, I can't remember if it's a Disney or Pixar movie that is all about that. It's called Turning Red. And the entire premise of that movie is is to embrace all of your raw emotions. Uh, it's a very transgender positive movie. And at the end of it, it's basically like you, you can be your wild self and everyone around you simply has to accept that. That's a totally, totally the philosophy. And it's ridiculous. James 1.19, so then my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. This is, I came across this quote and I want to get your thoughts on it. Uh, guys, Alistair Begg, he said, Alan Redpath used to talk to young people about the vital importance of what he called blanket victory. 
He was referring not to some strategy for overall success, but to the necessity of getting out of bed at a reasonable time in the morning to pursue the business of the day. If a young person could not get victory over his blankets, it was unlikely that he would be self-controlled in many other areas. There's something that goes with that. It's a video that went viral where it was some guy made a speech and said, make your bed in the morning. You ever seen that? It's just brilliant. And it just talks about discipline right from the minute you wake up. Don't just... I'm not going to make a bed. I'm going to mess it up again tonight. Yeah. No, make your bed. And the idea is it doesn't matter how bad or how difficult your day was. You always come home to a made bed. But don't you guys think that that's a really good point? Like a person who can't even get out of bed at the time they're supposed to will probably not have much self-control in other what areas What are you trying life. to say, Easy? We know you get out of yeah. bed like at 4 a.m. Side note, my wife and I have a rule that the, the last one out of bed has to make the bed. And so every now and then we'll be later chatting and then we'll both realize... And we'll like jam out of bed as quickly as possible. Like, I got out first. No, you got out first. <laughs> it reminds me of Keith Green's song, Asleep in the Light. Some of the words in there where he says, the world's going to hell, but you, you can't even get out of bed. Very powerful stuff. Yeah. Uh, Jerry Bridges said, our minds are mental greenhouses where unlawful thoughts, once planted, are nurtured and watered before being transplanted into the real world of unlawful actions. These actions are savored in the mind long before they are enjoyed in reality. The thought life then is our first line of defense in the battle of self-control. And that's so true. You know, it's like what we start to think on, dwell on, and imagine, envision. We do that with arguments. We start planning what we're going to say or how I would have said it. And then it ends up manifesting. We do it in, you know, different responses to people that we chart out in our minds. You think, think, and then you do it. Let me, let me close us out with this last quote here by Randy Smith. Does Randy Smith have anything to say about self-control? Oh, he does. Listen. As it pertains to temperance, Titus 2.2, we are talking about someone who is sober in thought, even keeled and moderate. Young people tend to be emotional and impulsive, but the mature saint should have learned stability, consistency, and balance. Men who lack temperance are seen bouncing in and out of ministry, constantly changing jobs. Life is a continual roller coaster of extremes, overreactions, unstable relationships, inconsistencies, and faithless living. On the contrary, there is a steadiness to a temperate man. He prays and waits on the Lord to save making a foolish or rash decision. He doesn't overreact to problems. He is self-controlled. He recognizes the hills worth dying on. He thinks before he speaks. He avoids false excitement, but also refuses to be paralyzed by sorrow. He wisely controls his money, feelings, and words. He is not tossed here and there by every comment he hears off the lips of another. He knows how to ride out the storm of life. The guys have left. And how not to fall asleep. Seems like you went on forever. That I'm was in. a powerful quote. It was a powerful Quote, but I was thinking, I wonder what the longest quote ever quoted is. And I thought, Easy's done it. <laughs> <laughs> One day he's going to start with a quote. It's going to be Genesis to Revelation. In the beginning, yeah. That's right, I will. Well, friends, we hope you've been encouraged today. Look, there's a lot going on in the world. There always is. We need to assess things through a biblical worldview and then ask ourselves, what do I do to honor the Lord in it? We hope you walk in self-control. Remember to give this program a rating and to email us if you have any questions, thoughts, ideas for future podcasts at podcast.livingwaters.com. What are we going to call this program? Slap the other cheek? Will Smith slap and self-control. You get into one little fight and your mom gets scared. And friends, the Evidence Bible also talks about Maybe some slaps. I don't know. <laughs> Something in there. There's definitely, the Bible talks about violence. So check out the uh, Evidence Bible at livingwaters.com. Thanks for joining us. See you next time here on the Living Waters Podcast.
chicken dinner. I have no idea where that ridiculous saying came from, but friends, we do have winners. Winners for the podcast giveaway. That is the Living Waters podcast. We have Angela from Yucca Valley, California. Yvonne from Crestline, California. Brooke from Clayton, North Carolina. Andrea from Anderson, Indiana. Elias from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Becca from Lincoln University, Pennsylvania. Lowell from Yakima, Washington. Don from Charleston, Illinois. John from Ford, Australia. Good on you, Mike. And Dave from Willen Lane, United Kingdom. Congrats.